We're actually going to be looking at two different passages of Scripture. There'll be four verses from the Gospel of John, which I won't read now. I'll refer to them in the course of the sermon. The main passage is the 35th chapter of Isaiah, the first ten verses. We'll put our attention on those verses now. Let us hear this word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there. Nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. Only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. Amen. Christmas. Christmas is all about the gifts. Gifts galore. And yes, Nancy, I knew there'd be a frown if the preacher would say that. How dare the preacher say that on the Sunday before Christmas? But let's think about it for a minute. How many of you have made out a list of Christmas gifts you'd like? Well, a few of you are honest. (laughs) How many of you answered the question, if somebody came to you and said, what would you like for Christmas, you had an answer ready for them? A few more of you are being honest, okay. How many of you have asked somebody for a Christmas list or... What would you like for Christmas? How many of you have gotten stressed over what to get somebody for Christmas? It's all about the gifts. In fact, I, in my spam email box, I, I didn't read the email because it was spam, but it showed the title, and the title said, 30 gifts someone you know will want, guaranteed. <laughs> I had no idea, and I'm not sure I want to know what those were. Last week, Allison was giving the announcements, and maybe you recall she talked about it's hard not to buy compulsively because you see it and know you know somebody who wants it. It's about the gifts. But in the spirit of honesty, let's admit, kids love getting them, and they can't wait. I mean, who can, who can say no to that face, huh? Whether it's Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, they know when they're going to get to open them. They're, they're under the tree, they look at the gifts, they count who's got how many, and they want to be sure everybody's got the same, and... Kids love it. Can't wait to open those gifts. 
It's a little different, however, for the adults who get weary of selecting, buying, wrapping gifts, pulling out their hair at the rising costs of all the gifts. There is a sense in which it's true. It's all about the gifts. But in reality, the greatest gift is the presence of someone who loves us. Prior to our move back in June from South Haven to, to Byron Center, it was our final weekend in South Haven, Barb and I had a huge garage sale. Saturday was the last day of it, and as we were setting up in the driveway just ready to begin, we looked up and across the yard into our driveway walked our son from Texas. We had no clue he was coming. His gift to us was to spend that week of transition with us. There could have been no greater gift than the gift of the presence of someone who loves you. And you know the feeling. That's why this time of year there are so many family and group gatherings. They're special. They're important. Well, centuries ago, Isaiah announced that such a special gift was coming to the nation of Israel. He didn't want them to be surprised. And so in the midst of their difficulties, he said, Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. And he will come to save you. What a promise that God himself was going to be with them. And we know he did come. Although it was still surprisingly, as we heard powerfully last week from Pastor Kevin, born of a virgin in a manger. And he came bearing gifts. Bearing gifts galore. I say that because of how the Apostle John wrote the opening of his gospel. He said, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. What does that mean? It means grace heaped upon grace. Continuous grace with, with no limits or no interruptions. One spiritual blessing after one another spiritual blessing. One favor upon favor. Gift upon gift. Where one grace is no longer adequate, another one is granted. When one is no longer needed, another is given. When needs and situations change, so the amount and different kinds of grace are given and adapted. John was saying that in the manger, Jesus brought gifts galore in order that, as Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, we might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus' presence is the present. There was a man who was afraid to fly. But a friend of his kept trying to persuade him to fly, and so finally the man relented and said okay, and he agreed to a brief flight around the area in which he lived. Took the flight. When the plane landed, his friend ran up to him and said, see, that wasn't so bad. You got back safely, didn't you? Yes, said the man, but to tell you the truth, I never did put my full weight down in that thing. <laughs> so here's your question for today. Are you willing to put your full weight down on this word of the Lord that he came to give you gifts galore? Isaiah told us about some of those gifts. First he said that God gives glory to the barren. Verses 1 and 2. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. 
The desert symbolized the, the dry, barren times of life, a place of wandering, death, despair, struggle, hard times, disappointment, diminished power for life. And for Israel at that time, it had been two generations that they had been in captivity in enemy territory. They were over 500 miles away from home, and home was across the desert, beyond the mountain, through much danger. So Isaiah's promise from God is God will bring life even where life seems impossible. That's what God does. Some years ago, the American Red Cross was gathering supplies, medicine, clothing, food, and so on, for the suffering people of Biafra. Inside one of the boxes that showed up at the collection center, there was a letter. The letter read, We have recently been converted, and because of our conversion, we want to try to help. We won't ever need these again. Can you use them for something? And inside the box were several white Ku Klux Klan sheets. Sheets that had been used to go against people of color, now being used to bandage people of color. That's the difference God makes. For when God enters the human situation, the barren will see the glory of the Lord. Glory means at heart a sense of majesty, but it means weighty, its influence, its, its massive respect. We will experience the weight of His influence when He comes. So no matter what, if you're backslidden, if you're wrestling with overwhelming temptation, if you're suffering from spiritual dry rot, if you're enduring stifling trials, reeling from job pressure or job loss, if you're burdened down with horrific grief, no matter what, the promise is that the dark, deadly desert in which you live will come to life with the glory of the Lord, and you can put your full weight down on that. Secondly, Isaiah says, God also comes to save the fearful. Israel was tired, fatigued, fearful of never returning home again. So Isaiah encouraged them. Verse 3, Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear. Now it's interesting that word fear basically means hasty. Do not be hasty. When we become fearful, we make hasty judgments and decisions, don't we? We jump to hasty conclusions. We start to say things like, I wonder if God still loves me. I wonder if God is punishing me for, for things I've done wrong. Have I let him down? Can I handle anything more? Can I make it through this? If I face any more temptation, if, if I incur any more pain, if I'm hit with any more grief, if I'm overwhelmed with any more adversity, how will I ever survive? I can't do it. I can't handle it. The answer, here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. God will come and save us from anything that is against us, anything that separates, from, separates us from God. He will take vengeance on that which seeks to destroy us. And then He will turn and He will save us. So the reality is, 
Deserts are breeding grounds for gardens. Despair is the seedbed of hope. Sin is the platform for forgiveness. Sadness is the prelude for joy. Turmoil is the birth of hope. And death, death is but the womb of life. And we can put our full weight on that since God doesn't come to us because we're worthy of His coming. He comes because He loves us. In the manger, He came to share love. On the cross, He died to share love. In His resurrection, He rose to share love. He did it all for love. Three days before Christmas, young mother was getting ready for the big day. She asked her little seven-year-old son if he would polish her shoes. So he went off and did the task, and he came back and showed her the shoes, and he'd done a nice job, and she was pleased, and with a smile, she, she gave him a quarter for what he did. On Christmas Day, she went to put her shoes on, and something was in the toe of her shoe, and she pulled it out, and it was a crumpled piece of paper, and she opened it up, and there was the quarter, and on the paper he had scrawled in seven-year-old writing, I done it for love. Isn't that the Christmas story? He came to save us. He done it for love. So no matter what you fear, God still comes to save you. You can put your full weight down on that. God gives glory to the barren and saves the fearful. He also gives wholeness to the broken. Verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. Water shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. That picture is not a mirage, it's a miracle. There will be wholeness for the broken. Consider the ministry of Jesus. Time after time, He would say some words or He would reach out and touch someone and say, Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. Recall the time John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus to ask Him if He was the one, if He was the promised Messiah. Recall what Jesus said? Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. What did they seen and heard? Blind people could see. Lame people could walk. Sufferers of leprosy were cured. The deaf could hear. The dead were raised. Whenever people came into contact with Jesus, there was wholeness. So no matter what your illness, your struggles, your doubts, your confusions, God will make you whole when you throw your weight fully upon Jesus. What is your need this morning? What's causing your brokenness? If Jesus walked up to you right now and said, what can I do for you? What would you say? Would you give him your broken heart? Your decaying body? Your destructive attitude? your haunting loneliness, your raging bitterness, your your piercing grief, 
your stubborn, unforgiving spirit, your misguided lust? How would you answer Jesus? Remember, by His stripes, we are healed. Put your full weight on Him. I included John in our scriptures for today because he also mentioned some gifts God gave through Jesus. The first one he says is God gives companionship to the lonely. We first see God's desire to, to be with and dwell with His people as He walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Then we see Him walking with Abraham and his family. Then we see Him walking with the nation of Israel. But in the manger, John said, God lived among us. The Word became flesh. He didn't say the Word became human. The Word became a man. The Word became a person. He said flesh. And the Word refers to our utter base humanness, to our mortality, to our vulnerability, to our sinfulness. He was bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. He lived in our condition, fully joined with us. In Jesus, God chose to limit Himself to space and time, to fatigue and weariness, to suffering and rejection, to loss and death, to valleys and depths. But that's precisely why God can understand us, stand with us, and help us. Those of you who have been through cancer treatments can best understand and help someone who's going through it because you've been there. Those of you who have lost spouses can best understand and help someone who has just lost a spouse because you've been there. Those whose children have died can best Understand and help those who have just lost a child because you've been there. God has lived our life. He's been in our flesh. He knows. He understands. In birth, He had no room. In adulthood, He had no home. In death, He didn't have His own grave. There is nothing you are facing at this moment that you cannot bring to God. He's been there, and He brings companionship to the lonely. A little boy was riding across town on a city bus. He was huddled close to a well-dressed lady, but as boys are prone to do, he was just sort of swinging his legs in the aisle, and he accidentally hit the dress of the lady across the aisle. She was perturbed, and She said, pardon me, but would you tell your little boy to keep his feet to himself? The woman next to the little boy said, boy, he's not my boy. I've never seen him before. Embarrassed little boy hopped to a seat behind them. Embarrassed, sinking down, trying to hide, trying to fight back tears, but he did manage to say to the lady whom he had kicked, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. When the woman saw how deeply she had hurt him, she perked up and said, that's all right. And then she said, are you going somewhere alone? The boy lowered his head and he said, I always travel alone. My mom and daddy are both dead and I live with my Aunt Maggie, but when she gets tired of me, she sends me to my Aunt Elizabeth. The woman said, are you on your way to visit Aunt Elizabeth now? Yes, said the boy. But she's hardly ever home. 
I hope she's home today, though, because it, it sure is cold. The woman looked at the boy and said, you sure awfully young to be riding the bus alone. The boy piped up, oh, it's okay. I never get lost, but, but sometimes I get awful lonesome. So when I see someone I'd like to belong to, I sit real close to them and pretend they're my family. That's what I was doing when I kicked you. I just forgot about my feet. Hearing this, the woman got up and sat down beside the little boy, drew him close to her and hugged him real close. Today, you can come to the manger and you can let Jesus love you and hold you close because after all, you do belong to him. And you can put your full weight on that. God gives companionship to the lonely. And John also says God gives forgiveness to the sinner. He says Jesus came full of grace and truth. The manger was really the first step to the cross. Remember, sin must be paid for to satisfy a holy God. Only someone sinless can pay the price. And in the manger, God God demonstrated His willingness to have His sinless human Son pay the price for us. As He walked the earth, Jesus forgave. An adulterous woman was brought to Him. He dismissed the crowd and then He said to her, As no one condemned you, then neither do I. You're forgiven. Go now. Leave your life of sin. Another time he was teaching in a crowded house and some friends brought a man on a stretcher and they cut a hole in the roof and they lowered him down before Jesus for healing. And Jesus' first words were not, you were healed. His first words were, your sins, friend, are forgiven. On the cross, as he looked out over those who had betrayed him and those who had tortured him and those who were tormenting him, those who were crucifying him, and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And after his resurrection, he sought out his dear friend Peter. Peter who had denied him three times. And so three times Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I do. And then Jesus said, you're forgiven. Go feed my sheep. You are still the rock upon which I will build my church. God's abundant grace sent us the gift of a Savior. You shall call His name Jesus. For He will forgive His people from their sins. So Paul could later write, while we were still sinners, while we were still at the height of our rebellion, Christ Jesus died for us. So today, you have a choice. You can be a slave to your sin and let it rob you of abundant life. Or you can let God forgive you. Richard Hoffler, in his book, Will Daylight Come, shares the story of little Johnny. Johnny was given his first slingshot by his grandparents. He kept practicing in the woods, but could never hit the target. One day he walked into his grandparents' backyard, and across the yard he spotted Grandma's pet duck. So impulsively he picked up a stone, put it in the slingshot, and 
And of course, that time he hit the target. Duck fell over dead. Johnny panicked, and in desperation, he, he took the duck and did the best he could to hide it in a wood pile. And as he finished, he looked up, and there stood his sister Sally watching everything that he was doing, but she didn't say a word. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's, let's wash the dishes. And Sally said, well, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today, didn't you, Johnny? And then she whispered in his ear, remember the duck. Guess who did the dishes? Later that day, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing, and Grandma said, well, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper. Sally smiled and said, oh, it's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. And she whispered into his ear again, remember the duck. Sally went fishing. After several days of doing both his own chores and Sally's, Johnny couldn't take it anymore, and he went to Grandma and confessed what he had done. Grandma said, Oh, I know, Johnny, giving him a big hug. I was standing at the window when it happened, and I saw the whole thing. Because I love you, I forgave you. I was just wondering how long you would let Sally make a slave of you. You can be a slave to your sin and let rob you of abundant life, or you can let God forgive you. Come to the manger and let God and Jesus Christ forgive you. You can put your full weight on that. One more gift. <clears throat> Back to Isaiah. God gives gifts to the barren, the fearful, the broken, the lonely, the sinful, and God replaces rocky roads with peaceful pathways. Isaiah 35, beginning in verse 8. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. It's only fitting that this final scene should symbolize traveling, the taking of a journey. We see before us a pathway of peace. It's God's interstate. No detours, no construction, no roadways, no lane cutters, no potholes. All traffic headed in the same direction. It's the road upon which he invites us to walk. The road is called the holy way. It's the way of peace. But only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransom of the Lord will return. All throughout the turmoil around him, Jesus brought peace. In the boat, when the storm arose, the disciples awoke Jesus, and he said, Peace, be still, and there was calm. On the night before his death, in the midst of the turmoil of what was to come, he said to his beloved disciples, as I read earlier, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And after his resurrection, Jesus' most frequent greeting was, Peace be with you. Jesus is the way from barrenness to glory, from fear to saving, from brokenness to wholeness, from loneliness to companionship, from sinfulness to forgiveness, from rocky roads to peaceful pathways. And when we walk this road, we will make it home. Isaiah 35.10 They will enter Zion 
with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. The sounds of singing and shouting, everyone filled with joy. There's only one end of the road, and it is Jesus. He is both the road and the way. He is also the end of the way. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us to bring us safely home. When John, John Todd, who was a 19th century clergyman, was six years old, both his parents died. A kind-hearted aunt raised him until he was ready to go and prepare for the ministry. Some years later, this aunt became seriously ill and she began to have some questions and she was wrestling, so she wrote Todd a letter asking things like, would death mean the end of everything or could she hope for something beyond? Here's a condensed version of what John Todd, what John Todd replied. It is now 35 years since I, as a boy of six, was left alone in the world. You sent me word you would give me a home and be a kind mother to me. I have never forgotten the day I made the long journey to your house. I can still recall my disappointment when, instead of coming for me yourself, you sent your servant Caesar to fetch me. I remember my tears and anxiety as, perched high on your horse and clinging tightly to Caesar, I rode off to my new home. Night fell before we finished the journey, and I became lonely and afraid. Do you think she'll go to bed before we get there? I asked Caesar. Oh, no, he said reassuringly. She'll stay up for you. When we get out of these here woods, you'll see a candle shining in the window. Presently, we did ride out into the clearing, and there, sure enough, was your candle. I remember you were waiting at the door, that you put your arms close about me, a tired, bewildered little boy. You had a fire burning on the hearth, a hot supper waiting on the stove. After supper, you took me to my new room, heard me say my prayers, and sat beside me till I fell asleep. Someday soon, God will send for you to take you to a new home. Don't fear the summons, the strange journey, or the messenger of death. God can be trusted to do as much for you as you were kind enough to do for me so many years ago. At the end of the road, you will find love and a welcome awaiting. And you will be safe in God's care. We will make it safely home. Whatever your rocky road, whatever unnerves you, whatever stresses you, whatever has you restless or in fear, bring it to the manger. Find rest and peace. Put your full weight on the path of Christ's peace. I pretty well had an ending for my sermon this week, had it all printed out and ready to go, and God put a song in my heart. I think it wraps up everything I've driven to at this point. It was recorded by Edie Turnquist. Are you tired of chasing pretty rainbows? Are you tired of spinning round and round? Wrap up all the shattered dreams of your life and at the feet of Jesus, lay them down. Give them all. Give them all. Give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts, broken toys. Give them all. Give them all. Give them all to Jesus and He will turn your sorrow into joy. 
He never said you would only see sunshine. He never said there would be no rain. He only promised us a heart full of singing. That's the very thing that once brought pain. Give them all. Give them all. Give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts, broken toys. Give them all. Give them all to Jesus and He will turn your sorrow into joy. Give them all to Jesus. At the feet of Jesus, lay them down. So I say it again. Christmas really is all about the gifts. God's gifts through Jesus. And our gift to God is to give ourselves completely to Him so He can bestow His gifts upon us. Christmas is as simple as that. Let's pray. Father God, we are so overwhelmed by your grace upon grace, by your gifts galore. Thank you. Thank you that even now you are ready to give us the gifts of your presence to replace anything and everything that keeps us from your love. There are some hearing this message who need to open their hands and hearts to you so you can fill them. Holy Spirit, prompt them to do it. Some need to cast out their disbelief and put their full weight on you to accept you as Savior and Lord. Holy Spirit, prompt them to do it. Some need to pause from the busyness of life, take a deep breath, and let you refuel them with your love. Holy Spirit, prompt them to do it. Jesus, in this moment we bring to you all our barrenness, fear, brokenness, loneliness, sinfulness, our rocky roads. Gift us with your healing, renewing, empowering presence so we can go from here with singing, with everlasting joy crowning our heads. May gladness and joy overtake us as sorrow and sighing flee away. We ask it all in your holy, powerful name of Jesus. Amen.